now for the announcements. So tomorrow we have our online intensive from 10am till 2pm. And it's not too late to join us. If you haven't already registered, you can sign up now. And if you're tuning in for that, we'll be playing music from 9.45 for a 10 o'clock start. Tomorrow, don't forget, daylight savings begins. If you're in New South Wales or Victoria, your clocks will go forwards one hour. So from wherever you are watching, don't be late for a 10 a.m. new time for the start of the intensive. Next, we have this week the worship of the goddess Navratri. We'll be participating in this and having a special satsang next Saturday the 9th. And we'll have daily programs starting Thursday this week, sometimes during the regular evening programs and other days at 8.30 a.m. on Instagram Live. This is in place of the upward shift meditations. We'll be chanting the Devi Stotram and other mantras. You can keep an eye on the Instagram stories and set notifications for live streaming on the Ashram Insta page if you'd like to join us. In a couple of weeks, we have the free live satsang. This will be streamed as usual at 7.15, but available to everyone and anyone to watch online. So start telling your friends and family. This is a great opportunity to invite them to join for a satsang. And now I'll hand over to Guruji, who will introduce the next part of the program, the Abhishek. Thank you, Chiranandji. <coughs> that was a very nice reading of that chapter. I'm trying to get over it. Uh, welcome, everybody. Tonight, of course, we're celebrating uh, Baba's Mahasamadhi, and uh, to honor him, we're going to do a puja to the Guru's padukas, his sandals. Um, and uh, the Brahmins up here will be doing the services, and we're going to chant uh, the Guru's Stotram and the Guru padukas. Uh, and then slow Om Namah while they perform the Abhishek, the ritual bath of the sandals. Of course, the sandals, the Guru's feet are, are a symbol of the Guru's grace, as in clinging to the Guru's feet. As you cling to the Guru's feet, as he goes up to the highest heaven, you go along with him. And so, and also there's a, the tantric principle of the last shall be first. Bimba Prati Bimba, that, that the universe is a great mirror in which the lowest is the highest and the highest is the lowest. So the Guru's feet, being the, the lowest, are also the symbol of the highest. So they take us there. So we're going to do that puja now. We begin with the Guru's Stotram.
I welcome everybody to this weekend retreat and celebration of Baba's Mahasamadhi and of his ongoing uh, influence and ongoing actual spiritual presence. Um, he used to begin every talk by saying in Hindi, Sabko Varisanmane Kesat Premse Hardik Swagat. With great love and respect, I welcome you all with all my heart. And that was the keynote of his spiritual posture. He welcomed everyone with love. He encouraged us all to welcome each other with love and ourselves with love. So in that spirit, I want to welcome you on this occasion. <clears throat> and I remember when Baba was going on the world tour in 1974, which I accompanied him on, and we were getting ready for it, and there was so much excitement, and everything was in the air, and uh, somebody came out of the office. Baba just wrote his message to the world for the world tour. And I thought, oh, what's he going to teach? What's his message? And I thought he was going to teach the secrets of the guru-disciple relationship. But no, he was going to start a meditation revolution. He wanted everyone around the world to meditate. And uh, that revolution was gone on. And uh, I think you could say that Baba was one of the great architects of that, and he had a great influence. And now I have contemporary evidence of that impact. And these two little film clips are from this past week. Let's see how effective Baba's meditation revolution was. And gets it on the handoff, and he's in. Touchdown, Tampa Bay. Number two, same weekend. In Europe. That's thanks to uh, Girish. Okay. <laughs> That's wonderful. <clears throat> so, Baba. <clears throat> Maestro, we have a few uh, photos of Baba. Oh. Uh, <laughs> uh, this is the one occasion that Baba dressed up like Bhagwan did. <laughs> Some devotees got him this silver throne, which he sat on exactly once. And he <laughs> dressed up, but boy, he really looks the part, doesn't he? The great Maharaj. What else do you have? And this is, this is Baba as we really knew him then, sitting out on his perch, the door to his apartment opened behind him in the corner of the courtyard. Uh, open to meeting everyone. Is he wearing a Santa hat or is it just a beanie? Just a beanie. Okay. And that was mission control right where he's sitting. 
And next. And that was taken by uh, one of the fellow residents of the dorm, uh, Baba in, in the early 70s. Beautiful portrait, isn't it? <clears throat> so, thank you. So I thought that um, in, uh, in honor of the Maha Samadhi that, uh, that I, I might do a little bit of a, a survey of Baba's teachings. <clears throat> Baba had a magnificent uh, teaching, magnificent style of teaching, a magnificent literary style, uh, way of expressing the highest truths and so on. But I'll start first with a very different teacher, uh, a very noted teacher, and that is Lord Buddha. <clears throat> and you'll see much later in the program, later in my talk, uh, why I'm beginning this way. <clears throat> it said that the Buddhists have three jewels or the triple gem, also known as the three refuges. Uh, and they take refuge in these three jewels. Uh, the most used chant in the Pali language goes, Buddham Saranam Gachami. I take refuge in the Buddha. Dhammam Sharanam Gachami, I take refuge in the Dharma. And Sangam Sharanam Gachami, I take refuge in the Sangha, or what we would call the Satsang, the spiritual community. <clears throat> so I take refuge in the Buddha, I take refuge in the Dharma, and I take refuge in the Sangha. Literally, uh, it says, to the Buddha for refuge which is charanam, gachami, I go. To the Buddha for refuge, I go, or for protection, I go. To the Dharma for refuge or protection, I go. To the Sangha for refuge or, or protection, I go. This is a cornerstone of the Buddhist teachings. I'll return to that later. Um, first couple of things from various times. This is from the 1978 uh, tour of Melbourne. This was Baba's uh, last visit to Melbourne in 1978. <clears throat> somebody asked, Baba, will you please explain the state of a saint? Baba says, the state of a saint is the state of God. Even though he has this human body, he becomes God. Even though he appears to be a human being, on the inside he attains consciousness. As he meditates continuously, his inner energy is unfolded and he becomes the space of God and then he attains the state of God. So this is nothing but that great state. When the body of the senses and the sense objects merge together, that is called stiti, a state, stiti. A stiti is a, a state or a condition, and it's from the Sanskrit root to stand. So, you know, when we say to take a stand, so if you make a, a really strong stand inside your own being, then you have a state. The highest stand, highest standpoint that you can have is to be 
in the state of consciousness and take your stand in the aham, the uh, consciousness itself, in the self. So that's the stiti. <clears throat> Hibhava says, a miserable person is in the state of pain. I realize I've been talking about uh, what are you being, beingness. I've been talking about that recently. So this is a miserable person, his beingness, his state, is a state of pain. A happy person is in a state of happiness. A deluded person is in the state of delusion. <clears throat> a lot of that around these days. In the same way, Baba says, there's a greater state in which you become absorbed in God. Therefore, a saint is in a state which is not this physical body. He becomes absorbed in consciousness. Just as when a person is diseased, his entire body, his breath, and his blood contain the germs of this disease, in the same way the nectar of God pervades every pore of a person in that state. If you ask me to explain that state as it is, the only way I can explain it is to be silent. Scriptures always say that you, it's like uh, you cannot explain that state. And the great yogis, the Vashishta, in the Yoga Vashishta, when Ram asked to explain the state, he just closed his eyes and was silent because he, he could manifest the state, he could demonstrate the state, but he couldn't really explain it. So he said, in that state of silence, there are no thoughts. In that state, there's only love and peace. This is how the state of a saint is. He becomes immersed in God, anchored in God. He never has the feeling of ego. He is immersed in that. Therefore, become a saint, Baba says. <clears throat> Another way of saying it is Bhavana Rako, is to hold that state. You know, everyone passes through the state of a saint. We visit it. It's like a, a station on a train. We pass through it. We don't even know we're passing through it. And then before we know it, it's gone. But a state values that and makes us place there. It makes us stand in that state of consciousness. We don't know the art of seeing that state, and we don't know the art of staying in that state, or the art of returning to that state when we've lost that state. So this is the state of a saint. He's attained that pure state. Another one, from a similar time, just before that tour, this was in Ganeshpuri in 1978, just before Baba went on that tour. Um, he gave an intensive in uh, meditation on the self, intensive on the self in January of 1978. And the commentator writes, Baba's talk on Saturday was rhapsodic. He kept breaking into songs, sometimes repeating one line several times like a refrain. And this is from Baba's talk that, that day. He says, Baba said, when an age ends, there is deluge. There is water everywhere. There is water everywhere. In the same way, the self is everywhere. The self is everywhere. When you go on the road, you raise dust, and that dust rises in the air and begins to spread all over. You see its infinite particles. When that infinite dust arises, you see every particle of that dust 
shining and shimmering. So every particle of that dust contains a universe. This is very yoga of Vashishta. Every particle of dust has a universe. <clears throat> and you're living in one of those particles. And these worlds arise and subside, arise and subside. Baba's in a cosmic state here. He says every particle of dust is another universe. And in that particle of dust, there are a million particles of dust also, and more, smaller and smaller and larger and larger universes. And the, and the worlds subside and arise, and it is through the power of the self that our life exists. Know it through meditation. No consciousness. Understand the truth. Become aware of the truth. That is the self. You think that you see everything, but everything is seen because of that. That self. That consciousness. So what the great sage Uralaka, and he's a sage from the Chandogya Upanishad, one of the ancient Vedic sages, there's some charming stories in the Chandogya Upanishad about Uralaka. Uh, what he said is absolutely right. By obtaining the knowledge of that, everything else is known. You can spend your whole life acquiring knowledge of this and knowledge of that. But the Upanishads say, it's only when you understand the knowledge of that. And the Upanishads always refer to that as the ultimate knowledge. Knowledge of the self. Knowledge of pure awareness. So it says when we understand that, everything else is known. You don't have to make an effort, Baba says, to know things. First you reach the state where you say, I don't know this, I don't know this, I don't know this. But after you come out of that state, you say, yes, this exists, yes, that exists, yes, this exists, yes, this is this. This is also the same knowledge. Maybe I'm reading into it. I see the first part of that is Vedanta, and the second part is Shaivism. First part, you say, I don't know anything. Second part, is saying, I know all this. It's all consciousness. It's all God. <clears throat> this is the same knowledge. Your distinction between this exists and this does not exist vanishes. Then wherever you look, you see with that knowledge. You have the awareness of that knowledge. A Sufi saint said, now the Sufis, of course, are the mystical side of Islam, and they have great music called Qawalis, and, and they're the whole succession of great uh, gurus and disciples, a disciplic succession among Sufism. And Baba loved the Sufis. He would often chant Sufi chants and, and recite Sufi poetry. He says, Sufi saint said, I'm not hearing, I'm not listening. God is hearing everything. It is God inside me who is seeing, not me. It is God inside me who is seeing, not me. It is my God who lives inside, who knows everything, not me. God is with me, I am with God. Whatever I see, everything is God. I don't see anything else but God. And God is giving this evidence, not me. That's why the Sufis were uh, considered uh, heretics uh, for Islam, because they had the vision of God everywhere. <clears throat> Baba says, so God is here and God is there too. 
Whatever is seen, whatever is not seen, is also God. So when a man perceives the self, he attains this knowledge. When man begins to wonder about his worship, then he says, when he sees the self, then lesser things, lesser practices become less important. His worship, his rituals, charity, and actions, he wonders. He wonders if he's truly pursuing religion or if he's just making a mockery of a religion. When a great being became aware of this truth, and this is the, the poet saying Shiva Mohan, and Baba recites a poem from him, but you shouldn't think Baba's insulting Puja because Baba loved Puja and Baba loved worship and so on. But Baba is in a bhav now that really there's nothing to worship because it's all one stuff. And this is what Shiva Mohan says. Shiva Mohan sang, Oh God, I'm amazed to death. I'm flabbergasted. I've seen the truth now. I have nowhere to go with this. <clears throat> Which way should I meditate on you? I can't find any articles I can use for your service or for your worship. When you do a puja, you have to use different articles. When you do a yagna, you take a ladle and you put it into the fire and you have the fire. You have all kinds of instruments and articles. So, <clears throat> I can't find any objects that I can know to use to know you. To worship you, should I invoke you? What place is there that you do not exist? So all the articles are you, so how can I use them to worship you? What place is there? Every place is you, so how can I worship? No, it makes no sense. How can I invoke you? It is meaningless for me to use any articles to invoke you <clears throat> because it is you exists everywhere. Even if I offer food to you, then that also is nothing but an insult to you because you are feeding everyone. And now I try to feed you. You also exist as the food. Isn't that a mockery? Oh God, due to your light, the whole world is illumined. So if I wave a light before you, then it's nothing but darkness. So they, in puja, we always wave a light. We circle the deity in light. And he says, the light's you too. So what, what are you talking about? You are nothing but light. Oh God, you are in the idol as well as in all the flowers. How can I please God by offering God to God? Baba says, this was the great poet Saint Shiva Mohan. He said, God, you are everything and everything is God. How can I call you God when you are everywhere? And Baba says, a person should consider this very well trying to realize what is worthy of his meditation. The inner self is the greatest. That knowledge is meditation, and this meditation is without fatigue. No matter what you see in meditation, it's all right. No matter what you see in meditation, it's all right. Visions, Bob had billions of visions and all kinds of things, visits to other worlds, different colors, Everybody here has had some kind of experience in meditation, various things. So whatever you see in meditation, it's all right. If you love those visions, keep watching them. Just be aware that you're not supposed to meditate on the things you see. You are supposed to meditate on the seer, on the subject. Baba constantly and endlessly talked about knowing the self. Meditate on the self. 
taking our attention from the externals, from the object, back to the subject, to the seer. You should meditate on the seer and not the scene. Sundaras, another great poet saint, says, you're supposed to meditate on your own self and nothing else. Baba says, I said in the beginning, everything exists due to the self and not due to anything else. The whole world and all the mantras, tantras, and all other things emanate from the self. If you become aware of this and have this understanding, then that is meditation on the self. So this understanding that everything is the self, everything is God, there's nothing but divinity. Shaivism says that consciousness takes the form of everything in the world. It takes the form of matter, it takes the form of mind, it takes the form of spirit. Nothing that is not against the background and, and of the substance of consciousness itself. So he says, he says uh, the self is the deity, the self is the mantra, the self is the worship. Have no second thoughts. Have no second thoughts. Have no second thoughts about it. What's Baba saying? Have no doubt about it. Now it doesn't mean that, that we don't live in some kind of duality and we worry about me, what am I going to get, and we think about lower concerns. That's true of everybody. But at the same time, we should remember this higher wisdom. The more we remember it and apply it and bring it into our life, there's nothing but God. There's nothing but consciousness, nothing but the self. That knowledge will elevate us and uplift us and we'll grow into that knowledge. And that will make our meditation work too. The Baba says, there was a great yogini called Jaya Devi. She composed this poem. She said, renounce all the deities, just worship your own self. And, Baba, and therefore meditate on yourself. Worship yourself. Kneel to yourself. Your God dwells within you as you, being everything for you. And that became the watchword. He would end talks during that period with that thing. Meditate on yourself. God dwells within you as you. <clears throat> Baba says, one who discards the self is discarded by other people. When one attains the self, everyone tries to attain him. So that's the self. We've, we've heard about the guru and the self. And now this is, uh, now, now you'll see why I brought the, the Buddha into it. Because uh, on Baba's last trip to the West, his third tour, um, let me see, the, on the very last, I don't know if it was the last day, but August 28th, 1981, he left for India. So he was leaving the West for the last time, late August, the end of the summer, 1981, and he never returned. That was, uh, he died a year later. Um, and he gave this talk. I don't know if it was exactly the last talk, but it was close to the end. Uh, and it's a, an extraordinary talk and very self-consciously uses the Buddha as a launching pad for his own teaching. And this is what Baba said. <clears throat> he says, the main goal of Siddha Yoga is to, be is to become established in the ever-present knowledge that all countries, castes, religions, 
sects, classes, and people are the same. Everything, the same consciousness. And of course, uh, Bob is talking about Siddha Yoga. This is what he called uh, the same yoga that Bhagavan Nityananda called Raja Yoga. We call Shiva Yoga and called Maha Kundalini Yoga. It's the yoga of Shaktipat, the yoga of the great beings who transmit Shakti or energy uh, to their disciples and awaken the inner energy, the Kundalini energy. So it's that path that he's talking about. And it's a universal path. It's not limited to a particular sect or caste of people or country. He says, Baba says, others may have a different understanding about all this, but you should remember your goal. When other people say, I don't feel we're all equal, that should not matter to you. You should know that we're all equal. You should also know that Siddha Yoga does not belong to any religion, that it transcends all religions. So what Baba is calling Siddha Yoga is the essence of spirituality. And as such, it's the essence of every religion. And it doesn't even have to live in a religion because it lives inside a person. Baba says, just as God is without any particular caste, class, religion, sect, or country, so this yoga is without these things. There are only two things in Siddha Yoga, the self and humanity. Meditate on the self and respect Vulcan and another person with love. You should also have the constant awareness that this world is not just the world. It is consciousness and nothing but consciousness. This being the case, how can you say this is high and that is low? Or this is good and that is bad? What object can you reject saying, I'm not this? For that matter, what object can you accept saying, I am this? The world is not different from you. This path originated from the siddhas, the perfected beings. And whoever knows, whoever follows this yoga can be called a siddha student, a siddha yogi, a member of the community of the siddhas. Siddha means one who has attained, attained the ultimate, attained the goal. Baba says, but to really follow this yoga, you must become firmly established in it. Can you experience the coolness of the water in a river if you stay on the riverbank? No. To experience the joy of the water, you have to dive into it. So you can't be a dabbler. You have to really enter into it. That means to give yourself to it. And if you do that, then you can get the maximum value. He says, <clears throat> in the same way, to experience the goal of Siddha Yoga, you have to pursue this yoga completely. First, be firm in your vow to have faith in your own self. You should take refuge in your own self. You should also maintain the awareness, Siddham Sharanam Gachami. I take refuge in the Siddha. <clears throat> For only when you take complete refuge in a Siddha can you draw the Shakti, the power of the lineage of the Siddhas. In the Gita, the Lord says, O Arjuna, take refuge in me in every way. 
surrender to me in all ways. This is at the end of the Bhagavad Gita, where Krishna says to Arjuna, surrender all dharmas, surrender all duties, lesser duties, all goals, have the goal of oneness with the divine, of knowing the self, make that your supreme goal, and subordinate everything to that, live only for that, then everything else will be fine. Commenting on this verse, the great Siddha Yaneshwar Maharaj explains, rivers merge into the ocean, they surrender to the ocean. When they surrender themselves in this way, they do not remain separate. The rivers become the ocean. So too, Arjuna, surrender to me in every way. <clears throat> He's saying, uh, on behalf of Krishna, saying that. Just as when a river surrenders itself to the ocean, Baba says, and so becomes the vast ocean, when you surrender to a siddha, when you take refuge in a siddha, you become a siddha. When you, when, you, when you surrender to something greater, you don't become less or smaller. You become greater yourself. That is why the first vow you must observe, and these are Baba's three gems, aren't they? Siddham Sharanam Gachami. I take refuge in a siddha. This is if you want to enter the path completely. And I, I think at the time that he had everyone... Uh, you know, shout it out, like, repeat it. I take refuge in a siddha. <clears throat> this is a more, uh, what's the word, decadent age, so I won't ask you to do that. <laughs> we'll see. The second vow you must observe is sangam sharanam gachami. I take refuge in the community of the siddhas, the satsang. Baba says, to have this awareness, all the people in this community are me, is to take refuge in the Sangha, the community of the Siddha. You should not make such distinctions. He's a newcomer, and he's an old-timer, or he's so smart and he's so dull. You should take refuge in the community of Siddha Yoga with a complete feeling of oneness. So sangam or satsang, the community uh, is very important because the community has the common purpose, a common understanding. They understand what the path is about and they understand about the shakti, the spiritual energy and the guru and all that. And they can support, the community supports each other in the highest quest. People outside the community are perfectly worthwhile There'll be many of your beloveds who live outside that circle, that community, and you have to relate to them a certain way, but they won't support the highest part of yourself. They won't understand that. But people within that community will support your quest for the self, your quest for uh, perfection, your quest for knowledge of the divine. The Baba says the third vow you must observe is fatmanam sharanam gachami. I take refuge in my own self. I surrender to my own self. And that self has great power. So I take refuge in the Buddha becomes I take refuge in the Siddha, in the Guru. 
I take refuge in the Sangam becomes I take refuge in the Satsang, the community. But this is interesting, I take refuge in the Dharma, which is the law, the Dharma, the righteous path, becomes I take refuge in the self. So Baba is saying that in our path, the Dharma is the self. The Dharma is consciousness. And everything that is part of that, uh, the practice is also. So I take refuge in the practice and the goal of the self, Baba is saying. So <clears throat> Baba says, and that self has great power. Shiva Sutra says, Siti Layal, one of the Shiva Sutras. The self can create, it can maintain, and it can dissolve its own manifestation. It is only because we don't have a firm belief in the self that we're ignorant of its power. So cultivate that belief. What Bob is saying here? Meditation seems like not, not much of an activity, just sitting there doing nothing. And yet the self is so powerful, Baba says, that if you have faith in the self, if you turn to the self, if you make it your priority, great power comes from that. Great love comes from that. Great light comes from that. Stiti layo, you can do anything. Baba says, do not merely observe these vows, but take them into your heart and let them permeate every blood cell in your body. Become completely firm in the awareness. I take refuge in a siddha. I take refuge in the community of the siddhas. And I take refuge in my own self. Then you'll experience that self at all times and in all places. And in some ways, this was his final teaching in the West. Um, he's saying exactly what the Buddha said. The Guru, the Buddha, the Sangam, the Buddha, the Dharma, and the Sangam. The Guru, the Satsang, and the path of the self. <clears throat> so, uh, this is his teaching, this is his his legacy for us to follow. So let's do it. Let's meditate. <clears throat> and let's meditate on that self that he talks about all the time. Where is that self? I puzzled about that self. I wondered about that self. The first thing about that self is it can't be found outside. You go on a journey of self-discovery. It's uh, rather odd. We look for a journey of self-discovery by trying to see ourselves in other people's eyes or achieving something outside. That's one level of self-discovery, but it's not the ultimate level. The ultimate level of self-discovery can only be achieved inwardly by turning within, turning towards the source. So we'll close our eyes and look within. And inside, there's this goal that Bob was talking about. Look inside, you'll notice that you're an, you're, you are a conscious being. There's awareness there, consciousness there. Every one of us has it 
in equal measure. We are aware beings. I am conscious. Inside us all, there's love. Sometimes we don't have access to that love, but that love is there. We've had fitful experiences of it. There's great wisdom inside. Sometimes we get it right, not much, but occasionally. <clears throat> it's great strength and determination inside. All these are characteristics of the self. We just have to learn to search for that place in us. And once we find it, as the old song went, never let it go. Hold that self. So let's turn within and meditate. And Baba, when he left his body, as, as I said, it was very painful to me because his human presence was so divine and intoxicating and um, uh, attractive. And yet, what he gave spiritually can never die. It always goes on and can always be discovered. And that what he gave spiritually was the three jewels, the greatest jewel, the knowledge of the self. So let's meditate now on the self for 10 minutes. And once again, remembering Baba with great love and great respect, I welcome you all with all my heart. Satgurnat Maharaj Kijay. <laughs>